Educated, the show where we feel dumb so you don't have to. Today, I'm joined by one of my favorite content creators right now. She is just thriving and crushing the game on every platform from Instagram to TikTok to her very own podcast, The People We Follow, Bria Jones. Hey. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being on. I have been following you for only a few months now, and you've so quickly become one of my absolute favorite people to follow. I love your content. Wow. You like, I followed you for the style in Spo and like the beauty tips, and then I stayed because you're just so genuine and real. I feel like you are the perfect blend of an influencer. Like, you are just, you're what I want every influencer to be. <laughs> Thank you so much. That seriously means a lot. And honestly, like that is part of the reason I even launched my podcast too in hopes that I could put, you know, people that are more dynamic Mm -hmm. and just bringing more to the table. And I really do strive to offer more than just a styled look. You know, I want to make sure people look good on the outside, but on the inside too. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like that is such the, the difficult balance of like, Obviously, brands that are coming to you are products. You are giving Mm -hmm. something to people to consume, but that doesn't always feel meaningful or fulfilling. So finding that balance of like, yeah, I do care about sharing this makeup product that I really like and I want to put you all onto it, but also giving some purpose behind it, I think can be a difficult balance to genuinely find. And I think you found it. Thank you so much. I am with you on purpose being the theme of everything, like whether it's sharing an outfit or sharing an important message, like you got to have some intention behind it. Exactly. I want to hear about how you got started in the influencer world. But before we jump into that, we have to do the trivia question. It's like the dreaded part of the episode that stresses everyone out, but we got this. (laughs) Um, Okay, let's do it. Okay, I picked the most, this is such a stupid question actually, but I was like reading through trivia questions and read it and was like, I don't know what this is and I don't think anyone cares to know, but (laughs) let me just say it. Okay, why do snakes flick their tongue in and out? It's like something I've never thought of there being a purpose, but of course there's a purpose. Truly, I've never thought about why. Just because they're sassy. Yeah, I'm like, there's, that's just, <laughs> it's a snake. It's what it does. I don't know. Like, does that, yeah. is that what makes noise so that they scare people? <laughs> is that, no, their little tails make the hiss sound. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't even know. Well, like, what? I don't know. They like rattle. I don't know. I feel stupid not knowing this, but also I'm like, why would I know this? Why would you? Yeah. <laughs> that's a hard question. The only guess I can come up with is like a noise, but that doesn't make any sense. I'm going to say, I mean, outside of them being sassy, maybe it's like to smell or something. Maybe. Wait. Yeah. Duh. That makes so much sense. Maybe. Okay. I don't know. Well, okay. So you said sassy and to smell and I said to make mm-hmm. noise. I know I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. And the answer is... You are right. It's to smell. No way. I'm like, you're right. It is because they're sassy. No. (laughs) You're right. Damn. I I don't know if you are just like really on and just knew that and you're remarkable or if everyone listening is going to be like, Cam, no shit. It's to smell. No. I can't decide if I feel dumb or not. (laughs) No. I wouldn't. I just guessed. I was like, uh, do they have noses? No. Okay, let's do that. <laughs> well, I'm thoroughly impressed. Well done. I don't know. I'm impressed. Wow. I don't know if it's like a, I don't know, an East Coast thing knowing. I don't know. I feel I feel mildly dumb. I'm going to go brush up on like animals and understanding, but. We got to go back to animal play yeah, right now. Exactly. Exactly. Um, You're in Pennsylvania right now, right? I am. We're here for a week. We are normally in Kansas City. That's where we're living right now. So it was a 14-hour drive here, which, yeah, yeah, it was rough. Did you drive because of COVID? You didn't want to... We did drive. Um, we're kind of, you know, trying to avoid as many public places as possible. Good. Um, and we got tested before. We're here with his parents, so we'll just be locked down with them. No big celebrations this year, but, you know, we just got to make it work. 
got to do what you got to do. I was just listening to your podcast and heard that you had like a little mini COVID scare, which was the most infuriating way to have a scare. I'll, I'll let you share right. a little bit of that story. Cause I was like, of course, of course that like you're being so safe. Naturally. Yeah. So uh-huh. tell the it people the what the scare was. <laughs> right. The worst possible way could happen. I mean, um, cause I have been really, really trying my best to stay home as much as possible and just go to the essential places grocery store and the most high-risk place I go is working out with my trainer and even then I'm masked up most of the time if there are other people there um so I actually have been going back and forth to the orthodontist um looking into Invisalign and (laughs) that is where I was exposed I didn't realize my dentist was positive he didn't know it obviously um so yeah I got a phone call and they were like hey girl yeah you might want to go get tested um this is what happened and I was like oh great and all I could think about was how he was in my mouth like literally right right in front of my face like breathing I mean there was a mask but like you know no still I don't know how close you have to be for it to not work and he was very close to me yeah Yeah, we're lucky. Um, Everything was fine. But of course, it was like very stressful just having to even go through the process. So, but we're lucky. Yeah, and you're being so careful. And then you go, like you see a doctor, you think it's like a a clean, safe space that it could never happen. I was just at the dentist for like four hours the other day. And I started low-key having a panic attack laying there. One, because I'm at the dentist and they're like in my mouth for four hours. But this guy came in and I could hear him and it's a small office building. And I heard him talking and could tell that he was not somebody who cares about COVID. And I was just like, oh my God, this guy who's driving me nuts. And I couldn't even say anything. And I started thinking, this is the worst environment because if he gives it to anyone here and they're working in his mouth and then they come and work in my mouth, and I just started freaking out. I was like, if this is how I go down after being so safe. It's horrible. Yeah, it's like you would hope that at least our frontline workers, um, which most of them are so exhausted right now, that they would want to make it easier for them to and do everything safe. Uh, but that's unfortunate. Like a lot of people just don't care. And <laughs> it's, it's really sad. It's really sad. Yeah, people. I don't even understand why people are being choosing to be selfish to like not wear a mask or not be safe. It's not that hard. Like it's not harming you in any way to put a mask on. Just deal with it. It drives me nuts. I won't go off on a tangent about masks today, but. (laughs) No, like I will go off with you. I'm I'm so there. (laughs) Like um, my fiance's niece, she is not even like three yet and she's wearing a mask and she does it great and she loves it and she's just like this is awesome if she can do it we can all do it yeah get it together (laughs) what part of Pennsylvania are you in right now it's called Dubois it's like two hours outside of Pittsburgh it's probably the closest big city um but it's a really really small town and this is where my fiance grew up um yeah so it's it's very charming I'm from right around there I'm from Pittsburgh originally yeah no way I wasn't sure where you were I was like trying to search before the podcast and I just saw you talking about Pennsylvania I'm from like north of the city in Pittsburgh in Allison Park but yeah like really close by to there that's so funny how fun. And you live where now? I live in LA. I live in like the valley of LA. Yeah. Okay. I'll have to hit you up about LA. I, I need to get out there when things are a little more calm. That's what I was going to ask. Do you, so where are you from originally? Because you're living in Kansas City right now. But are you from there mm-hmm. originally? No, I'm from Dallas, Texas. Oh. So yeah, after graduate, which is like an amazing place. Um, but after graduation, I was like very set on just getting away from everyone and kind of figuring out me because I think, you know, there was a lot of social pressure to do things this way. And, you know, I felt like if I don't get away from this, I'm not truly going to figure out who I am, you know, and it's not that people around me didn't have good intentions. It's just sometimes when you go against the grain, you know, you get a couple side eyes and I really just needed to be in my own element and like go hard and figure myself out, you know, and it worked. I went to the Midwest. It was unfamiliar to me and it pushed me to be really independent and I'm thankful for that. 
Yeah. I feel like everyone kind of needs that change of scenery, no matter like how open, how liberal, how conservative, whatever your hometown is like, it is so important to kind of get those different experiences and just meet different types of people to know the type of person you want to be and to just have more empathy for people who aren't like yourself. So good on you for getting out of there, but you want to move out to LA? Is that the plan or just visiting? You know, I don't think moving to LA is like necessarily on the radar. Mm -hmm. Um, I have a lot of like connections in LA and a lot of people that I work with are there. And I do think even if it was like I spend a month out there, you know, every year that it would help me so much because I mean, your girl is in the middle of cans. Ain't nobody really talking about influencers (laughs) like that out there. So, you know, it would be nice to be around people who are kind of going through the same thing, even if Mm -hmm. it was was like just for a month. Um, But I always said, you know, if I wasn't engaged, I might move to LA, but also I would have to have a very big reason to go that way. Um, Possibly like a locked in opportunity already if I was going to move there. So that's kind of my contract with myself. (laughs) I kind of like that you're doing influencer stuff not in LA, I feel like that's, like, you're you're doing all of, like, your images look incredible and beautiful. You're not needing the LA to be successful. And I feel like it's just more relatable. And I think social media is going to kind of move that way. With TikTok people being all over the place, not everyone has to be in LA. And then with the pandemic, so many people have left New York and LA that I feel like we're going to get a lot more diverse content from different areas and I'm actually really excited for it so not to knock LA and knock you moving here because I would love that that would be great but I think it's really awesome that you're in a less like stereotypical influencer area but it it must be a little bit difficult to like network well this year's kind of hard networking in general but True. So it's, and that's why, you know, it's funny you say that I was just talking to my manager about it because she was saying, people don't know you're in Kansas. Like that's, what's so cool. And, you know, I just now started to appreciate that I'm not in a stereotypical place for an influencer because I used to resent the fact that I wasn't. And I was like, it's just not fair that like, you know, there's other girls out here who are always in sunny California and I'm here in the Midwest and it's like snowing 13 inches. Like I was pissed, but like (laughs) I've finally just, you know, gotten the mindset of like work with what you have and find the beauty in everything because it's so true you do and it will resonate with somebody even if you feel like it's not you know yeah when I was reading your blog I saw that you created something called media mixer will you explain that a little bit and are you still doing that because that's amazing it sounds so cool Yeah. Oh my God. You're like on my wavelength. I actually just recorded a podcast episode about that chapter of my life. So long story short, when I started my influencer journey in Kansas City, um, obviously like the networking, it was hard to find people out here. Even the word influencer like in 2018 wasn't really a thing yet. And you pitch yourself to a brand and they're like, what are you talking about? (laughs) Obviously now things are much different, but then I was just so hungry and eager to meet people that I did this one um, happy hour event and I invited all of the bloggers I could find in our area. Ended up being like really big and we got this cute little bar and I had two girls who were local female entrepreneurs speak on, you know, how they started their salon, which is like a blowout bar. And it was really cool and an opportunity to just like meet so many girls. And so from there, it just blew up and people were like, when's the next one? Like I didn't know about it and they just grew and grew. So I was able to continue having these events and you know, I really didn't expect what came with it. Um, And it was like, I became an event planner, Mm -hmm. essentially. So we had a, we had so much work. My God, it it was a lot. And I didn't have any help. I didn't have any employees. It was just me putting this together, the goodie bags, the vendors, all of that, the sponsors. And I think what happened was I completely burnt myself out. So the last event that I had was kind of like a moment where I really had to reconsider if I was going to keep doing this because it was unexpected to begin with. Um, But there were also some hiccups along the way that kind of made me feel like, you know what, focus on you right now. And if this is meant to happen, you'll get the desire to do it. And I just 
kind of fell off and didn't want to anymore. So, but I'm thankful for, it was like a year of doing those events and I'm so thankful for that. Yeah, it sounds so cool. And it's actually something I've talked to a few friends and my manager about. We, being an influencer is such an odd career because we, we have peers and we have people that do similar things as us, but we don't go to an office. We don't like work together. We don't have like this roster of employees that we're like popping in the office with. And it's hard because then we don't have a lot of people to bounce ideas off of, whether it be like making sure you're getting appropriate pay. I know. And I want to talk a little bit, um, about being a black creator. And if you've noticed any, I don't even know if it's specifically brands or viewers, just like a difference in your content. We'll get into that in a minute. But um, I wanted to just have a place where we could all discuss these things and make sure we're being treated fairly. Like, I guess it'd be like an influencer's union, as silly as that might sound. But I was looking for something like that and was shocked that it didn't exist really that much yet. And I didn't, yeah, I guess it's, it, an influencer is going to want it, but that's that's a full-time job in itself. So for you to do your career and put on these big events is just, that's a lot to do. It was a lot. And I think it taught me a lot about, you know, managing my own energy as well. And, you know, being on, I have a really big issue still to this day that I'm working on with asking for help. And that was kind of like my reality check with it. It's like, you can have something so beautiful and it could have been something much bigger than me, but there's a reason I wasn't able to continue it. And that like, it kind of left a bad taste in my mouth. So I had to learn, like, ask for that help. It's okay. (laughs) Oh, I feel you on that. I'm the worst. I like, I don't know if I'll ever get better at it. I've done it since I was a little kid. Like (laughs) it's just in my blood to be like, no, I got this. I can do it. I don't want to, I don't want to bug anybody. Just, yeah. Same here. (laughs) What year did you, I know, well, I might have my timeline wrong. So correct me if I am wrong, but you started doing influencer stuff in 2017 or 2018. I think it was probably 2018, if not the end of 2017. I don't even know what you would consider like long in influencer world, you know, but um, I was fully working a corporate job and um, worst experience of my life. Um, I was like a consultant for a health um, IT company, so I was traveling year round, going from hospital to hospital, teaching doctors and nurses how to use this new software that would help them with patient documentation. And as much as like, I love that people in the health field do what they do, like I don't. And I got a psychology degree. So um, it was also like, ew, I can't even use my degree. This is great. Like, you know, why did I just pay all that money? And now I have all these student loans. Like, I was just in this really confused place of like, what was all of this for? Like, hated that job so much and it it just took the life out of me and really made me lose like a part of myself I felt like and um I will never forget the day that it just clicked for me I had I was traveling to Atlanta I had this panic attack in the Atlanta airport because I missed my flight thanks to having to stay with a client a little too long and I just like broke down in the bathroom and when I got on the plane, I was literally like, what am I doing? I am 20 something years old and I'm already this miserable. It can only get worse, right? <laughs> so that was when like I decided. Terrifying. Yeah, it, it was like, I was having, I guess my quarter life crisis then. And I was just like, either I turn this ship around like right now, or I decide that I'm gonna settle for this, like what felt like to be this hamster wheel of life, you know? And um, that's when I fully decided, okay, I'm going to aggressively go after something I want. I was like, when was the last time I was happy? Because the issue with that was I didn't know what I was passionate about. And that was a scary feeling. And I was like, when was the last time I was so happy that time just like went? And it was high school. Um, I was in a four-year program at my high school, which is kind of like an arts program. It was communications. And that's where I learned everything about cameras, production, journalism um it was basically like getting a college like degree before going to college and i would stay up editing videos till two in the morning on a school night and i just was like thriving off of that and i was like well 
maybe I need to tap back into that. So from there, I just started taking pictures on the weekends with my friends. And from there, it became, let me post this on Instagram. From there, it was like, let me tag a brand. And then here we are. So you didn't go into it being like, I'm going to turn this into a career. You were just like, I enjoy doing this. So I'm going to put my time into that because I'm not happy where my time is. And then it happened to develop into a career. Or did you go into it being like, yes, I want to make this a career. I'm going to find a way to make it. I think my priority was just to find a little bit of happiness first. And from there, you know, I felt like I just internally had this feeling if I just do something that makes me happy, the rest will make sense. I am a firm believer that you can make money any way if you are consistent and operating in your passion and I I left those two things up to the universe and I was like all right I am just gonna put one foot in front of the other and start here so that's kind of what my logic was at the time because I was in such a mentally horrible place I love that you had the courage to just be like look I'm not happy and I need to make a change I think so many people we have this idea of like we have to fulfill these certain responsibilities and we can't be happy or have fun until we do those first where my mindset is it should all go hand in hand. Like you, yes, you need money to live and you need to have responsibilities, but there's no reason you can't enjoy those things. Of course, we're all going to have hard days where I'm sure you have days where you maybe don't love your job necessarily and it gets you down and it's hard. But if you're not overall happy you're doing something wrong and you have to make a change. And it makes me so sad how few people have that courage to leave something that might be stable, but isn't making them feel very stable inside and emotionally. And that's exactly key. No, and it's, it is really sad. Like stability yeah, it's terrible. is terrible. Right. Stability is something that is always kind of prioritized and it's in all fairness it's what society preaches like you're taught to feel like oh security is success okay but then you get there and you're like this is it (laughs) you're like i don't like it here this is not feel good (laughs) yeah yeah it's very scary so from a year of you really starting and throwing your all into social media you were able to create a, a whole career for yourself that happened so quickly I feel like there's a lot of people who it's like years and years that they're kind of juggling their full-time job and then trying to create influencing being their full-time job what do you think clicked for you that you were able to do it so quickly well you know and it's funny you say quickly because I felt like it was so slow I'm very impatient (laughs) Um, and I think that's also another problem with our generation because we're so used to instant gratification with social media it's like post get the like you know but anything great takes time and uh, that first year for me was hell and uh, people probably don't understand like how hard that was for me because it was like you know I did a year kind of doing corporate and influencing and then I literally decided to jump ship when I didn't really have a lot of money to do that so I was just barely surviving for like a year and a half um and and then I think what happened was this year is when things started to happen for me probably like beginning of summer And it was around the Black Lives Matter movement really getting attention. And that was the first time I really like said, you know what? I don't, I'm not going to work on eggshells with my followers anymore. Like I'm just going to speak my mind about this. And because it was very, it was a hard process for me to see like so many people and how they responded to that. First of all, as a black creator, I was like, Wow. I mean, it was very painful um, because it was just a reality check. People don't know how to address this and we have a lot of work to do. I mean, we knew that, but it was hard to really accept that even for my peers. Um, So that was when I became very outspoken. And when I became outspoken and started to share like my truth, that's when things started to take off for me that's when my follower count started to surge and that's when brands were also like hey like we want to work with somebody like you and it was kind of this bittersweet thing for me because the blm movement i think made people realize they're not following enough 
black creators. They're not getting oh my God, enough yeah. black perspectives. So me seeing my follower count go up, like, sure, I'm thankful for that. But it was like, it literally took people unjustfully dying for people to be like, oh, there's a serious problem. I'm probably following two black influencers. Yeah, that is a problem. Um, so that's how it kind of felt for me. It was like, eh. I don't know how to feel right now. And then, you know, even with brands like reaching out to me and wanting to work with me, it's like, I still have to ask the question, am I just a token black girl on your feed so that people don't cancel your brand? Or do you really want to work with me? So I have to be careful about who I choose to work with and make sure that I'm not just the black girl on the feed, you know? Exactly. And how are you navigating that? Because as a white influencer, I have a responsibility to help change this. I mean, I think it falls on white people in every level to make the change. This does not fall on black creators, black people, black women. It has to be starting with the people who are creating the problem, which is white people. And I've gotten advice and I've tried a different few different ways. And one way is, and I also, I'm gay, so I always feel like the token gay girl every like pride month of like, oh, is this brand only wanting to work with me? And I have a few (laughs) ways I like try to check to see if they're like actually an ally or if they're just trying to use me. So I'm curious how you kind of do that. I've been asking brands like whenever I get on a campaign, I ask what their diversity breakdown is for that campaign and try to just ask them a few questions to see their real intentions and not just be like, Oh, I don't know. Just like thought that that was going to be good. I have been told by a brand before that I was their diversity card, which one is weird for them to say. But also, I I don't know if anyone, if you're listening and you don't know who I am and you can't tell and if you're not watching, I'm a white woman (laughs) with blonde hair and light eyes. I'm not not very diverse. Yeah, because I was, because I'm gay. I'm like, oh, so you picked like the most femme lesbian you could have that fit your brand, who was white. Like Like, that. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, okay, so we're not going to work together. Like, and it's hard sometimes turning down money and turning down brands. But like you mentioned, and sorry, I'm bopping all over the place. But as soon as you were true to yourself and spoke up for yourself, that's when the followers came. And I think it is kind of a double double-edged sword where it's like oh are you only following me because you want to like fix your diversity card and you're using me as that or is it because you're actually caring about me and caring what I have to say and I think a lot of people online especially the younger generations they care and they want to hear people with opinions they don't want to just see like a pretty face nice makeup and nice clothes which you have all of those things but <laughs> You are also so much more than that, and that's what people really care about. So back to my original question after I went on a whole goddamn tangent. Um, (laughs) How are you checking brands? How are you checking that the people who are working with you are working with you because they value you on every level and not just to check a box? Yeah, normally I can go to the feed first. That is like an indicator of, you know, if I can scroll down like a couple good scrolls and only count like two black girls, it's probably going to be a no for me. Um, and oftentimes we can have that conversation on like, what what is going on here? Um, also, I, I have a new manager as of like this summer and she's fierce. She's also black. So it was really important to me to sign with someone who either understood what it was like being a black creator and like that you do have to check some extra boxes. For example, like you need to make sure this brand is working with a multitude of different kinds of people. You like, and for example, I mean, obviously we don't have photo shoots going on, but if there was a photo shoot that I was going to go to or some influencer trip where hair and makeup would be done, I need to know that your staff knows how to do my hair and can do my makeup. Um, That is a huge issue for influencers and models, talent all over. So it's kind of, I think, a big piece has been having representation that understands where I'm coming from. And it's taken the load off of me to take the extra steps of investigating these people and seeing what scandals have they been in, why were they canceled? But everything is on Google. And, um, you know, it's just a simple five-minute research where we just need to check in and see what have they been doing for the past few months and how does it look? Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like a lot of brands when I'm going to check, I notice there's like 
you scroll down and it like first three or four rows, well, I guess it's been a few months now, so maybe there's quite a bit and it looks pretty diverse. And then you get down and you see the moment of change. You see the little black square, <laughs> always, it's always there. You see the little black square and then you see it get diverse. And if you look down from that, it's just like white, 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 white. And then like every 100 people that you see, there's like one person that you're like, oh, maybe they're not white. You're not even sure, you're like, well, maybe that person's not white. And it's hard because I want to, I want to allow people to change. I have such like a, a struggle with cancel culture of like people should be held accountable for their actions and they need to make a change and learn and grow. But I also want to create an environment that people can learn and change and grow. I mean, I myself have been doing so much work and kind of checking myself and writing down like, why do I not have more black friends? Why have I not done more collabs with black creators? Like, what am I doing to contribute to this? Why am I not following enough black brands and influencers? So if I'm allowing myself room to grow and change and be better, I want to allow brands to as well. I don't know. I think for me, it falls on accountability and owning up to stuff. It's okay if you've made a mistake, but if you're trying to hide it or kind of like wash it away and downplay it, right. that's kind of the check in my head where I'm like, oh, you're doing this to stay above water and to not get canceled, not because you genuinely want to be a better person or brand. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, I've seen brands that really saw they had something to work on and I felt like, you know, you kind of have to go with your gut instinct sometimes on these things. Like, is this performative or is this really something that they're working on? And that's something you have to measure over time. But I totally agree with you. The whole cancel culture around some of these things is very intense and it's very harsh. And I, I have an episode on my podcast about this too because there are like some cases that seem to be unforgivable in my opinion, like anything with sexual assault or things like that. I don't have room to really educate people or forgive people for that. But when it comes to, um, you know, injustice issues and you know, where things are purely ignorance, I, I do feel like people should have room to educate themselves. And alternatively, when they choose not to, that speaks volumes as well. Um, but there are people I feel that do want to do better and just sometimes publicly make that mistake. Um, so yeah, it's a toss up. And I think you have to kind of see their character over time to really know. Because I've also seen influencers like straight up get on their stories and say, I don't have to talk about this. I'm a fashion influencer and I don't care. Literally just quoted someone. And I'm just like, what a privilege. What a privilege it is for you to care. I need to know who this is. I'm texting you after this to find out. Yeah, and the fact that people actually- That's like, insane. Yeah. To say that. defended to... her and were like, yeah, she's a fashion account. Sure, but you know, I think- it's, it's fine to acknowledge that. And I'm almost like, thank you for being straight up about it because now we know not to expect it from you and we can choose to follow you or not. But um, at the same time, in that sentence, I wish you would have said, it is a privilege for me to not care. So um, I'm just going to stay over here in my fashion corner and do that. Like, I wish you would have added that to the end, you know? Yeah. Yeah, but that's like, that is such a different level of ignorance and privilege that I don't yeah. think that person even even understands that it's a privilege not to care. They're not there yet. I hope in the future, whether it takes weeks, months, years, I hope they get to a point where they go, that was stupid. I had no idea. Because, I mean, a lot of people who are privileged, there's a privilege in not having to realize you're privileged. Yes, like, yes, there is. That's, it's this cycle that's very hard to get off. And you actually have to put in the work to understand and grow and learn this. And unfortunately, some people don't want to. They want to have a simple, easy life, and they don't want to get involved in things that are not pertaining to them, which is horrible and awful. But I, yeah, it's like you said, I'd rather know if someone feels that way so then I can choose to not support them instead of somebody faking being supportive and understanding just so that they don't get canceled. I, I appreciate the honesty, I guess. <laughs> That's how you have to look at it, honestly, because then you have, which is just as bad on the other side, you have the performative influencers who are just doing it to avoid people lashing out where they truly don't care what's going on with other people and that there are some major issues we have to address and speak on and that, you know, it's, it's a catch 22. It's like, 
But then you have people who are real and are genuinely like, hey guys, here's resources on how you can do better. Um, read these books. Like, I appreciate these people so much because oftentimes it feels like a very lonely battle trying to be a black influencer. And, you know, I still have to walk on eggshells with some things because if I get too emotional, if I get too angry, then it's there's the angry black girl and then nobody listens to me. But also, how could I not talk about something like this? And I just think people like expect that from me at this point like how could you follow a black influencer and not care about my life like that doesn't add up Mm -hmm. but it happens and people are like you should stick to fashion and I'm like you're on the wrong page like Mm -hmm. you're like no no no, you can go (laughs) I will 100% show you to the unfollow button yeah yeah (laughs) right there (laughs) click it do you feel pressure though like obviously you've done such a great job vocalizing and being on the forefront of everything and not worrying about what people think. But on the other side of that, are you feeling pressure to kind of lead by example or have all the answers or to share more than you are? Is there that pressure as well being a black creator? Yes, 100% there is. And it's not, it's probably pressure that I'm creating on myself, but also it's like, how do I not seize this moment of having people who are ready to listen and finally hear my story the story of others in the black community like it's almost like how dare I not take that opportunity because um you know I am not just sharing my experience I'm I'm speaking on a lot of people and I know that I am I know that I'm not the only one that's dealt with microaggressions and dealt with all sorts of ignorant comments growing up um I know that I need to be that voice and what's been really cool I don't know if we call it cool, but like, you know, when I was growing up, I always felt like I was being dramatic when I felt uncomfortable when people would say off the wall things to me about like how I looked or my hair. Um, And I realized when I started sharing, like I did a little microaggression series on TikTok and those videos went absolutely crazy. And a lot of those people were like, thank you for sharing this. Like, and it made them realize they weren't being crazy. They weren't being dramatic their story was valid too we just didn't have each other to be like is this normal that I feel bad um so I think it was kind of this you know self-soothing to be like I'm being dramatic it's fine you know or you know especially when it comes from your friends saying things like that to you you want to you want to make it right in your head that yeah it's like a defense mechanism it is it really is and it's a struggle because I went to school I went to college in Arkansas so um I was literally some people's first black person they've ever talked to and had a conversation with and I probably could write a book on like my experiences there and that um, you should (laughs) I want to read that because what I learned is that I suppressed a lot and it all came out this year. Yeah. Um, because that was easier for me. Like how would I, if I'm at a frat party with a bunch of white people and everybody's rapping the N-word and I all of a sudden really feel uncomfortable, like how do I, I can't defend myself there. Like it's just kind of like, okay, where's the shitty Svetka? Sorry, I cussed on your podcast, but... No, please do. You're fine. <laughs> it's just like, you know, here's another shot. Let me just numb this out. And I, I did that so much, and I did not realize that till this year when I started to really dissect what bothered me and turn that into content. I was like, okay, we have a lot of inner work. Yeah, it is so much easier to sit and be uncomfortable than make other people uncomfortable and it's it's a disservice to yourself and to everyone else because I mean if those people were truly your friends you should have been able to bring up issues that make you uncomfortable whether it's just them being mean or them saying racist things you should be able to share that and hopefully educate them but unfortunately the way our society works we try so hard especially as women and then I'm sure even twofold for you as being a black woman to just make everyone else more comfortable and try to kind of just like be meek and not stir the pot and I think a lot of people this year are coming into the oh you know what actually I'm not gonna sit here and be uncomfortable because of something that you're ignorant or you did wrong I'm gonna speak up for that and I think having that voice in numbers which social media and TikTok specifically has given of like you mentioned sharing those little microaggressions and having so many people be like girl me too that's the exact thing that happened to me 
feeling less alone makes it easier to use your voice and stand up. And then it gives you a purpose of like, I'm not just speaking for me. I'm speaking on behalf of all of these other people who maybe don't have the platform to do so or aren't comfortable saying those things to the people in their life. So maybe they can just like send them your TikTok. <laughs> I know. And, and you know, I hope that they do and really – you know, I still get tagged and mentioned and I'll see people are tagging me in these old videos. Like Bria talked about this, like, you know, cause people will make videos that might be a little offensive and stuff and they'll use me as a resource now, which I'm so thankful for. But yeah, it's very hard to have those conversations, especially when you're outnumbered. And that is one thing I can say I've always been outnumbered when it came to these things. Um, in high school, I was in pre-AP classes, you know, where there weren't a lot of diverse groups in the AP classes, but my school was diverse. It's just the black kids were not taking as many accelerated courses. Why? I don't know. There's an issue right there uh, when I'm sure many of them should have been. And um, so I hung out with more white kids in high school and that carried over into college as well when I went to Arkansas. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just, it's really hard to speak up sometimes. And so I hope that I can be that voice for people who are having that difficulty yeah your first tiktok i believe was a video like listing 10 things that mm -hmm. white people say to black women correct yeah oh my god i forgot about that that is that is true and that was one of my first like popular videos where i was like yeah things you shouldn't say to black women which is so crazy because like that was i don't know what made me want to do that video thinking back now because now i feel like i'm so much more bigger on using my platform for that and then I don't know what pushed me to do that thinking back now because yeah it would it would seem very scary to do then too yeah well I'm glad that you did it and I feel like doing that really catapulted your presence on TikTok which now I don't know the exact number it's probably growing so much as we speak but I think you're like Almost at 400,000 on TikTok? Almost. Yeah, we're, we're ticking up slowly. Yeah. We're <laughs> ticking up on TikTok. It is incredible. And I feel like you really tapped into that at the perfect timing in the perfect way. Was that a conscious decision? Did you see TikTok blowing up and think, this is going to help catapult my other content? Or was it just a, I'm having fun, I'm going to create, or I'm pissed off at the world and I want to share these thoughts? Or was it like a strategic career move? It was a strategic thing. I, I follow um, Gary Vee, and um, I also have siblings who are much younger than me. Mm -hmm. What really did it for me, I had a sister, or had, have a sister who's 13 <laughs> now. She was on Musical.ly, and she used to always tell me, you need to get on it. So I have to give her credit and say she was the first person to really, like, introduce me to it when it was Musical.ly. And I didn't really see the benefit of it until Gary Vee started talking about how important it was to, no matter what, I mean, as an influencer, like, your job is to be everywhere. So, like, even if you don't like the app and you think it's cringe, like, that's not the point. If, you, if this is your career, like, you got to figure it out for yourself and, like, how it's going to work for you because it's a chance to tap into a whole new audience. And that's what it happened for me. Instagram at the time, I don't know if you remember, like, last year, like, last summer, there were so many algorithm changes and like the app was just horrible and the algorithm like I wasn't being shown to anybody and I was really like I don't know if this is for me anymore because like I can't even like get through to anybody to show them my content which is a like creator. no control over it right it's it's a very helpless feeling especially when you're just slaving over hours of editing and putting content together for it to just not be seen like it, it sucks and so TikTok I just started making content over there and you know obviously like I was ancient to them I'm like 26 at the time and basically that's grandma age to TikTok but yeah, exactly. all my friends were like what are you doing that's so weird like <laughs> you know and I had to deal with that for a long time even my fiance was like get off this app it's so weird <laughs> what are you doing on this and I just kept going with it and you know learning it and I didn't really care and here we are now you know just being consistent on the app and making it work for me and now it's so much more diverse but like the app would not be it was a dance app before which yeah it was weird I don't want to see people dance like that's not my taste but <laughs> like we, weird yeah we needed people to come on the app and offer different things for it to be able to flourish so I mean those people that stuck around like look at the app now you know that was so smart of you and I love that it's like 
it's just a tool to create more content. It doesn't matter what's popular on that specific tool. You can change it, which it has, as we've seen. I mean, there's like, I kind of feel like TikTok similar to the concept of how Tumblr was, where there's like, it's like Narnia and behind every door, there's like a different little life and home. And there's so many different worlds. Like, oh my God, I remember when prison TikTok became a thing. I was trying so hard to get on it. I just wanted to know what was happening. Prison TikTok is elite. <laughs> it's incredible. And I was like, what do I have to do to get on it? And it is, it's just a special place that everyone creates their own. And I just feel like you were genius in how you really marketed yourself on there. I mean, even your bio... I don't remember the exact quote, but something about like being the big sister of the internet. So genius that you're like, I'm not here trying to be a 13 year old. I know who I am. I know what I am. I'm not going to come on here and just like do dances and pretend I'm someone I'm not, but I'll be your big sister. (laughs) Yes. And I'm so thankful that like, you know, I've kind of pivoted to just trying to make people better like pulling away from boxing myself into like here's how to throw together an outfit like let's just work on ourselves you know even if that's in the closet or on our hearts like let's just work on ourselves and from there they kind of like gave me the name of being their big sister and I was like that's pretty cool so I'm gonna like take that and see what I can do with that and develop even more trust with them and I think that's what's gotten me as far as it has because they know like I'm gonna keep it real with them we can talk about anything nothing's off limits but it allows allows me to just be that type of role model for them you know and yeah I do not do dances like I mean I might every (laughs) now and then throw a dance and if I'm bored or if it's a really good one but I've had brands (laughs) like like, I gotta try it yeah I've had brands that are like hey we need you to like do a dance with this song and I'm like we're not doing this now did you watch my content? Yeah, have did you seen you, anything about did me? Did you just copy and paste this? Because no, not doing that, sweetie. You are just so good at balancing, like, focusing on content creation as a career and also being authentic. And, like, that's why I was so curious of how much of it was strategy and how much of it was just falling into place. And I think you have just found that blend of, like, I'm going to be myself, but I'm going to be my best damn self and I'm going to be everywhere. I mean, even now with everything exploding, most people would probably be like, oh, TikTok's going well. I'm going to focus on TikTok. But you were like, no, TikTok's going well. So I'm going to focus on everything, which don't burn out. Please don't burn out. (laughs) Right. But it fluctuates. And, you know, there's always going to be an app that's doing better than the other. But you never want to put all your eggs in one basket, especially when you don't own the platform, you know. Um, it could be gone tomorrow. It could literally be gone tomorrow. And I've actually had like my Instagram account get deleted at one point. And that is what made me like never, (sighs) you know, get in that headspace that like I could just focus on Instagram. Like I have to be everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, how did it get deleted? What happened? We still don't understand. So there was like, and it, oh, it was the worst timing. Like, I think it was very divine that it happened that way, personally, because it was too specific. But I went to, um, like, this festival for Coachella. It was, like, a branded one. And literally on my flight to L.A., everything is fine. I get off the plane, and I check my phone, checking my Instagram, and I realize, like, something is wrong. Like, I can't see any of my content pull up or anything. And, um, basically I was going to have to post for this brand and I was like, I can't even like get into my account right now. So it was very scary. I was crying in like the baggage claim terminal, calling my parents and they're just like, yeah, they're just like, I don't know what to tell you. And I was like, I'm here for brands. Like, so this is a post on Instagram all weekend. Like, I don't know what to do. Like you're like legally obligated at this point where you could have all kinds of issues. Exactly. So that was my first wake up call. I was like, you know what? Um, I will never put myself in that situation again. And I'm glad that it happened because now I understand the importance of being everywhere, um, realistically, you know, and I do think like you are able to, without burnout with strategy, maximize the content you're making so that it works for everything. You know, I'll put my TikToks on reels or whatever. And I take so many clips. I started doing like a weekly vlog on, um, I'm obsessed with those. Thank you. Your little Instagram, like minute weekly vlogs. Yeah. I love watching vlogs, extra. but they're too long. Like I watch, I love YouTube vlogs, but it's just like, I 
I don't I like walk away from my computer. Yeah. And I just always like open Instagram, your video pop up, and then I like watch a whole minute and I'm like, yeah, I got my Instagram fixed for today. And just right. like put my phone down. I love them. Yeah, just something's short and it's like I had so much content that was sitting like how can I make a story and just recap what I did this week and it's not anything like extraordinary it's my basic life in Kansas like and that's beautiful to me and you know I just share it as it is you know yeah it's amazing and then you also have your podcast yes which I I can't believe you do so many things and you do them all so well I'm like (laughs) thank you gonna listen back to this podcast episode a thousand times for myself to get inspiration (laughs) that means so much because I literally feel like you're crushing woman but thank you (laughs) no you're doing so well and I saw before you guys went to Pennsylvania you did like 11 campaigns in a week yes that was a record for for me and that came with at least four mental breakdowns. I want to be super clear about As that. They do. <laughs> so, like it wasn't easy. It was not easy. And it's funny because, you know, we were talking to my fiance's parents about like how busy we were this last week because AJ really, he has a full-time job, but he helps me with everything. And, you know, it was literally to the point where like I would cry for 30 minutes, fix my makeup, and then like, hey guys, we're back. Like, that is what you have to do sometimes and you know we briefly chatted about it but like um I was having a really bad PMDD episode during that 11 campaign streak so it was already just I'm tired from working this much but then add in like the physical pain that I was trying to get through and like I don't feel my best and you know I'm bloated trying to look cute in this outfit and it it was (laughs) just mentally taxing to try to get over that you know yeah I also suffer from PMDD and I just I have gotten better with it but I find it so hard to balance Mm -hmm. having your own career that you work for yourself and I try really hard to give myself a couple days where I'm not going to have any massive campaign to work on or like a podcast recording. I cannot speak. My PMDD makes my like brain shut down. I recorded my last episode when I was having like my worst moment of PMDD and I was so embarrassed and so anxious after. I felt like I ruined the podcast. I was like, I I didn't do anything right. I didn't say anything right. They think I'm stupid. Everyone's going to think I'm stupid. I just, I get really depressed from my PMDD. Um, So how do you balance that? So you're like, you have all these things going on. You're staying on top of everything. You had 11 campaigns. Do you try to not work as much when you're having your bad PMDD days or do you just push through? As of now, I'm just pushing through because, you know, for me, I want to capitalize. This is like my first year being busy because last year was the complete opposite of what it is now. So for me, I'm like, I'm a yes girl at the moment because I want to be able to eventually pull back from working so much because I have such a great roster. So right now I'm in the phase of like build that roster and it's just unfortunate that it fell during a time that was really hard for me. But what I feel like I can't do is let my PMDD control these opportunities that I have and it really just means I'm working 50 times as hard during those moments to push through. I mean we have to remember we are literally made for pain. We are strong individuals and it is so psychological. A lot of what we feel outside of the pain is so mental, like that depression that you feel and I feel, it is so mental and we have to control that as much as possible. So for me, I'm up at 5 a.m., I'm meditating, I'm journaling, I write my affirmations down and all of that is what grounds me. So when I get in that headspace of like, I'm not shit, like I'm fat, whatever it is, I'm like, those thoughts aren't real. What's real is how hard I work, how good I am at this and that. And that's what you have to pivot your focus to, even if it doesn't feel true. Yeah, absolutely. Do you, if you don't mind me asking you, of course don't have to answer, do you take any medication for your PMDD? I know a lot of people will take like a small antidepressant the week before their period to kind of combat those feelings. I don't at the moment. I'm um, honestly in the market for it. I just haven't found anything that like I love, right, because it's like extreme options, like an antidepressant for someone that's not depressed all the time or a birth control for someone that doesn't want to be on birth control. I had really bad side effects on birth control, so I made a decision to not be on it, and I haven't been on it for years, and it did wonders for me 
psychologically. Um, I've, I've been on depression medication, I've been on anxiety medication, and I don't feel like I can creatively tap into who I need to be. And I, I mean, I want to be clear, I am not downing medicine at all. But for me, it wasn't what I needed. So I really try to just level up on that self-care like working out is important even if i feel horrible my diet is so crucial and how i feel um it's just taking care of yourself and controlling what you can and obviously like i'm looking more into herbs and like natural remedies because i've heard a lot of good things about that so you know it's a journey but i feel like now i just started talking about pmdd and i was so surprised at how many people could relate so i really feel like with this conversation continuing we'll be able to figure something out like that that works we have to like there's thousands of us out there dealing with this i feel like totally on the same page with you i don't want to have the pmdd anymore but i don't want to take an antidepressant and i don't know if it's just like societal things getting in my head of being like don't take the medication there's nothing against medication if you need it you need it take it but for me like you said i i don't want to have to do that there's just something in me that like it bothers me i'd rather handle it naturally first um my cousin has had a lot of success with a combination of different vitamins um so i'll send you over that list if you want to try them out i've I send them to everyone. I'm like, I haven't done it yet because I have to go. I'm terrified of doctors. I have all kinds of issues, but I'm Wait, scared no, of doctors. Wait, literally the same. I haven't been to a doctor <laughs> in three years. I um, I might have you beat. I have no idea the last time I was at, to a doctor's. I had asthma growing up really bad. So I had horrible experiences with doctors growing up. So I just like, I've decided wow. I'm done going and I'm literally in therapy talking about it. <laughs> Wait, that's so... So crazy. No, I I did the same thing. The last time I went was specifically for PMDD. Um, Maybe it was like two or three years ago. I can't remember. And I will never forget. It was an OB. She came into the room. She'd clearly been really tired. I can't tell you how many times this girl yawned in my face. And it was just so... I I understand like people can't control it, but like it was so dismissive. And she... I was telling her I was depressed. And I was like... I, and she's yawning at you. Yes. I was like, I can't be, I was like almost in tears. I was like, I can't take this medicine. I was on this birth control at the time. And she's like, okay, um, so I'm going to write you a new prescription for birth control. Um, and I was like, did you hear me? Like, I just said, I don't want to be on birth control. She's like, let's just try this. And I was like, okay, I'm never, she wrote the prescription for me. I never took it. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to figure it out. Yeah, you're like, you didn't even listen to me. How do I even know this is what I yeah. need? You didn't listen to me saying, I don't want that. Exactly. Oh, no. Like, Ugh. I don't trust anything that she said because I was like, I know I know she wasn't listening and I could tell she was exhausted. I'm, I, like, nothing to knock doctors. I'm sure most of them are great. But yeah. after a few bad experiences like that, like, I've even had a bad experience with a dermatologist when I had really, really bad acne growing up. It was similar to that experience. They, She didn't even, like, come within six feet of me. And this is pre-COVID yes. <laughs> she was so far away and it was like and I was explaining my skin I had makeup on I was like you're not even looking at my skin she's like okay I'm gonna write you a prescription and it was this harsh acne medication that I ended up being allergic to no. I'm like I don't trust y'all anymore oh. I'm just gonna stay home no but it's hard because I know I need to go get my hormone levels checked because yeah. a lot of people with PMDD well they're not sure PMDD is so confusing we don't know the actual cause of it and the actual way to fix it. But yeah. a lot of times if your hormone levels are off, which is why birth control or an antidepressant can really be helpful, you can fix it or it can be your diet. So going to a doctor and just getting those tested can be like life-changing and it my can. therapist is begging me to go and I just, I don't have it in me yet. I did the dentist, that was my first check. <laughs> yeah, I actually found like a more, it was like a modern, like holistic type of place. And they checked my levels and I found out that I'm really low on testosterone. So that was kind of like a whole other thing. But they, I mean, it didn't reveal too much to me about PMDD because it's, it's like you said, it's so confusing to kind of analyze it. Um, and it could be like the stress in your life that causes the fluctuation. So for me, it's like, okay, I'm trying really hard to focus on my lifestyle choices because if I can get a little bit of control under the stressors in my life, that those fluctuations seem to be more manageable when I'm not as stressed. Like, at least it's what I've picked on so, so far. But 
yeah, it's it's really hard to navigate. And like you said, there's not a lot of information. They don't teach us this. It should be taught when you learn about your period. Um, it's just like, surprise, here's some depression for a week. <laughs> You're like, what is happening? I think there's so yeah. much power in just the diagnosis though. For me, I was like, what is wrong with me? Why am I, I, I understand PMS and being irritable, but why am I actually depressed? Yes. Why am I feeling so low? <laughs> You're good. <laughs> but why am I feeling so low that I, I don't want to get out of bed. I feel like I'm horrible at my job and I'm a horrible friend and a horrible girlfriend and a horrible daughter. Like it, I didn't understand that and it freaked me out so bad, but then my period would start and it would go away. So I was like, oh, uh, I guess it was just a bad day. And I was so confused by it. And then having that and understanding it's PMDD and knowing that information, just being able to be like, okay, this sucks. Yeah. Understandably so, it sucks. But I know I do these self-care things and I power through these few days and I will not be depressed soon. Because I think knowing, like having that light at the end of the tunnel is so relieving. And I think if more people talked about this and more influencers and just like, even just people to their friends sharing this would make everyone way better off because it's the not knowing that I think is the worst part. Right. And because like people don't even have a name for it. Like when I posted about it um, a couple weeks ago, people were like, wait, like, I am checking all these boxes and I just didn't know there was a name for that. Like that's the scary part to me is that where was this education and like it is literally basic information that should be taught because of how common it is. But like how terrifying that literally you wake up one day and there is like this sense of hopelessness and that you weren't worthy enough and yesterday you were completely fine. Like that's how it happens for me and I'm generally a positive person. So it always scares me when I get in that really dark place and that's why it's so important when I'm, I'm like you know kind of looking at the calendar like okay things are starting to get a little weird have that conversation with yourself and remind yourself what's true and what's not and when you get to that place you reflect on that whether it's from your journal or a note you write yourself for that really horrible moment you're you may have um it's just so important to remember this is temporary and it's not real. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. It's just, oh God, I hate it. It's so awful. I feel so bad for anyone who suffers from it. Yeah. And I can't believe I was like, I don't know, 26, 27 before I even had any idea that it was a thing. And I felt like, I don't know, I felt like I had that general education. So if I didn't have that, I'm sure there's so many people in the world who are just like, no clue suffering from it without any idea no we just gotta keep talking about it because we have to help the girlies yep exactly (laughs) help the girlies so you have had a whirlwind of like 2018 2019 your influencer career popped off and you got engaged yes and then 2020 happened yeah (laughs) which i feel like 2020 has been arguably a pretty good year for you you've continued to grow In the weirdest ways, yeah. Like, one of the probably darkest and best years. And I don't know how I can say that. But, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people can relate, though. Like, I think so many people relate to that. Yeah. Did it, did 2020 push your wedding date? When are you getting married? Is it, I feel like I heard somewhere it's like a year from now, right? Yeah, it's basically a year from now. Um, October 23rd of next year is our wedding. We were originally getting married in March of 2021 so now that's obviously not happening we um really just we were gonna just roll with the punches and see what happened and i felt like that was stressing me out more the uncertainty oh my god yeah Um, because like this is expensive and the thing about our wedding is we're pretty much the only ones in kansas city like family friend wise so we have like a small group of friends in kansas city but like both of our families live across the country so it's really important for us to make sure that we can do this so people can book their flights appropriately and you know it's a lot of money to come out to this wedding so i mean my heart goes out to every covid couple it is not fun planning a wedding in a pandemic but um i I think imagine yeah it made us realize what's really important (laughs) and while a lot of people are you know, people will want you to do like the small details, like get this, do that, do that. I'm like, as long as I have my loved ones in the same room and it looks nice, I'm not exactly. caught up on all the fluff. Like we're just going to have a good time and make memories. 
Yeah, 100%. I, yeah, I think like you said, the uncertainty of weddings getting pushed would drive me nuts. My, one of my best friends back home in Pittsburgh was supposed to be married in November and we were coming up on like, I think it was September when she was supposed to do a wedding shower and all of that. And I ended up texting her and being like, I don't feel comfortable flying home right now. I'd have to stay with my parents. I don't want to risk them getting sick. And like a week before all of that, they all ended up canceling it as well. And then a week after that, she decided push her wedding and move it to the following year, which I was so glad she did that because I think it was just tainting the whole experience. And I mean, if you're going to be with someone forever, might as well be engaged a little bit longer. That's what I'm saying. I mean, like the engagement is just longer than we anticipated. And it's interesting because I've always kind of thought I was going to have a long engagement and like that happened. Really? Yeah, it was very weird. Like, but I always felt like I was going to be engaged for a long time. And so, I mean, I guess so. It it didn't bother (laughs) me at all though. Like when you look at priorities and what matters in this world, like it's fine. And if it's so, if you have to get married, you can always go to a courthouse and celebrate later. Um, And we've talked about all those options. So like, you know, regardless, like a celebration does not define our relationship. Like we just want to be able to share it at some point, you know? Do you think you'll do a, a quickie courthouse wedding sooner? No, we don't have a real reason to, but if we yeah. needed to for some reason, we we would. But I think um, we'll be fine waiting till October. And if, God forbid, anything gets pushed again, we might just go ahead and get the official stamp. <laughs> You're like, no, I want to be a wife. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like I'm not pushing this wedding again. <laughs> well, I can't wait to see what your wedding looks like. Yes, I feel like it's going to be so magical and just incredible and in line with all of your other beautiful content. So I cannot wait to watch your wedding and everything that comes up for you keep creating incredible content you are so wonderful and such an inspiration i'm so glad i got to speak with you today keep keep killing it keep crushing it where can the people find you um so you can find me on instagram at hey jones tiktok hey jones youtube hey jones i have a blog that i need to write on which is com. <laughs> um but yeah i'm everywhere and we have the podcast the people we follow if you're ever in the mood to chat about social media and things you know influencers are doing these days exactly she's everywhere guys go find (laughs) her on every platform you will not regret following bria thank you so much for being here and i'll see you all next week